Well, good afternoon, Sam Marcos. This is a special uh, from We the People here at KZSM.org, KZSM LP 104.1, Sam Marcos, Texas, and we're interrupting our broadcasting to cover some local events and local folks in the news and I have sitting here across from me, Mr. Alex Villalobos, and uh, Alex is currently with the county, and he is in charge of our emergency management, correct? Uh, the, uh, the county's chief of staff. The county's chief of staff, but mm. handling, I guess where I was headed with that was that as that chief of staff, a lot of what the judge does is mm. a lot of with the emergency, you know, keeping track of what's going on with emergency management. And sure. that's where you have been instrumental. I know that's not all that you do, I no. guess, as the chief. But, you know, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and what you're doing? Well, you know, in the, in the, um, under the structure of the Hayes County or, or the, the, any Texas county judges, um, they are the director of Homeland Security Emergency Management within their individual counties. Um, the county judge has the ability to appoint people to certain positions within his office or her office, their office, uh, to address those particular types of areas. You know, we do have an emergency services uh, director, which yes. is Mike Jones. Yes. <laughs> um, and under that, uh, they work together with the county judge. You know, the county judge acts a lot of times on a policy side. Uh, when it comes to emergency management, but also on the legislative side as the county judge that goes to the commissioner's court. That's your, your legislative branch of county government. Um, but uh, he directly reports into the county judge. One of, the, one, one of, my, one of my very many uh, um, you know, resources within myself, my education, my background in law enforcement and emergency management, uh, I have uh, helped this county um, within the county judge's office to be the liaison with our emergency services director. And at one time, I held the, the full office of the emergency management mm -hmm. coordinator for the county. Um, I, I helped lead the county uh, during the pandemic, um, which was uh, obviously we all know was a, a local, regional, state, and national uh, coordination of resources. Um, it, was, uh, it was a very interesting time. Um, it was a very involved time. I mean, you, a lot of hours. I can remember hundreds and hundreds of hours of being there. You know, never really slept during that, mm -hmm. that, that cycle because you were, you were busy yeah. serving a lot of people for a lot of different reasons, right? I mean, there's many different aspects of it. There's the response side. There's, there's the coordination of resources to get your resources that you need, whether it's uh, PPE or, uh, or personal protection yeah. to, uh, <laughs> okay. uh, equipment or vaccinations. And then there is, you know, there's the side where you're coordinating recovery as well. And so how do we get, how do we bounce back from something like this from an economic development standpoint or an economic standpoint for businesses and, and people's homes and, and how they operate and transport uh, goods and services. So there's a huge aspect of that and, and largely will run through the county judge's office because he's the one that has the countywide perspective on a lot of these different things right. so okay and i do apologize i'm going to stop one second because i'm going to have to interject this back at the beginning but this is uh, political commentary and the views expressed on this show are those of the host the guests and not necessarily those of kzsm or smtx cra and as a fcc affiliate uh, low power fm we are obligated to provide 
equal time to all political candidates. So uh, if you would uh, like to make any comments or to appear on any of our shows, please contact us at KZSM at KZSM San Marcos at gmail.com. Alex, I'm going to go back to the interview. I'm sorry. I just I, I, I left that off at the beginning and I would be remiss to not make sure I have that in the interview. Absolutely. Now we're now we're compliant. And yes. We're following all the rules, which I like I like to do. Um, so, you know, in retrospect to all those different things, I, I acted as during that and then during the ice storm, the Uri ice storm, which created a lot of problems here uh, with oh, yeah. uh, ERCOT and the and the drop in power and a lot of the different, uh, um, you know, well, a lot uh, of people may, there. you know, they, they think about just in San Marcos or just in one of the little, you know, the areas you are dealing with across the whole county, multiple municipalities that yes. are responsible for that, multiple Blue Bonnet, uh, PEC. PEC, right? You know, across all of these regions that you had to coordinate back and forth with. And that was, that was a difficult time because of communication and it, no one knew what was going on. And, it, it, you know, a lot of it also has to do with advocacy. When I, and the reason why I mentioned the word with advocacy is that we're also part of a region. And if you're going to leverage your position with larger entities like Travis County or Williamson County to get the goods and services that we need, so you, you want to group yourself with larger groups so we can get those things, you know? Because if you okay. don't, uh, a lot of times you're, you're held waiting for a long period of time. So immediately understanding the coordination piece and the advocacy piece for this region immediately attached and, and, and ran to our larger neighbors to... To, to help them and, and for, mm-hmm. for them to help us leverage resources. So it was, it, was, it, was a, it was a good partnership at the time. Well, let's pivot into what is the office that you are currently running for, that you are on the primary ballot uh, for the Democratic sure. uh, primary, which is going to be on March 5th. Uh, I'm running for the Hayes County Sheriff's Department uh, to be your, your next sheriff. Um, as you well know, I, I ran last time against uh, an incumbent, uh, uh, Gary Cutler, and uh, narrowly lost, uh, uh, forty-nine to fifty-one percent um, during the pandemic. So while I was leading and running the pandemic for uh, the county and the region and the ice storm at the time, um, um, I was having to balance running a campaign at that time. So um, I think in in light of uh, I've learned how to coordinate resources and. So and I was run going to ask is, is what what <laughs> insights because you know. Any time that you go, you don't always win every race. You don't always win whenever you're out in, you know, in anything, whether it's anything in life or, you know, it's not always a win-loss, no. but you always learn something from Absolutely. that journey. And I, I'm kind of curious because that was a tough race. I remember that yeah. one well. Well, what I've learned is where the growth areas are for uh, the county. Um, the demographic shifts and makeup of the county and where they're going to, uh, up and down the corridor, the 290 corridor going out to Dripping Springs, uh, where they're coming from. And uh, I've had the opportunity to learn and really understand, you know, which way, you know, they lean politically, too, as well. Um, as you well know, this, this county has continued to go uh, blue. Um, the numbers are shifting. Um, and have shifted for uh, over the last six to seven years since we've been in office. Um, you can see it 
uh, in local politics. You can see it at the county in the county dais uh, uh, in the transition of people that are being elected those particular offices. Um, but you also get to learn and listen about what people really want um, when it comes to public safety and law enforcement within the county. And largely, 80 to 85 percent of it is everybody wants the same thing. They, they, you know, they want to feel as though uh, they're safe. They want their businesses to be protected, their property to be protected. Uh, they want uh, the schools to be in an environment where it's conducive to learning and not having to worry about all the different exterior pressures that come with um, some of the things we're dealing with now, which is a lot of the different uh, drug use issues, uh, mental health issues, uh, you know, all those different stressors that affect everyone in different ways. So uh, as, as a collective, it's just really identifying when you say, what, what have I learned? I've, I've learned one side, I've learned many different aspects of the other side and really have tried to hone in on where we all agree. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about what those needs are to address what you're hearing from the people. Mm -hmm. OK, so the sheriff's department has what's the staffing levels that we have right now in the Hayes County Sheriff's Office? Well, we there hasn't been a good report in understanding how many how many uh, deputies they have on both on either the patrol side and uh, and on the uh, on the correction side. No, wait, wait, wait a minute. We, we don't have a we don't have a firm number. I don't have a firm number, and, okay. and I'll tell you, I get to see those financial reports and staffing numbers on a regular basis. Uh, but I do know that there are shortages because I can see and we can identify the shortages in many different aspects. Those shortages are we don't have a traffic control unit anymore. You don't see motorcycles riding around. Uh, they're starting to pick back up, but it's a very small unit within the within the sheriff's department. You can see that there's shortages within the within the jail. Um, but we're also still having problems maintaining good ratios within the jail, which is the reason why we're still transporting some of our inmates to other counties and other locations. Uh, and we hear from uh, them uh, when they come in for budget season that we are short-staffed. Uh, we hear from the constable's offices that they're short-staffed and they need more people. Uh, so. Have we done a good assessment across the board? I've yet to see one that has been presented to the county judge to show a good assessment to understand what the staffing needs are for this county. Um, and I think when you talk about lessons learned is that when you come forward, I mean, I, I can give you certain numbers, but uh, I think we need to do a, a really true and, and, and down to the number assessment of what we have in staff where our gaps are and how we need to address those gaps based on programming. And that kind response. of, that really throws me because I sat here the other night at a downtown association meeting and I talked to uh, one of the lieutenants here at the, uh, uh, working for Chief Standridge. And she was able to tell me right off the bat, we're down 16 officers. Mm -hmm. We've got uh, 10 in the pipeline. We're still going to be six short. We're going to lose some of those. We've got X amount out on patrol. We've got, you know, I, I, she was able to give me some numbers right there. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think that the, you know, when you're internal and you have that institutional knowledge internally to the organization and uh, you are seeing those things firsthand, you understand where you're. Where but you're are, are you not internal, though? You are you work for the county. I work for the county, but I don't work for the sheriff's department. And I think that's a little bit different, right? 
a lot of those things are institutional and the fact is that uh, they don't share that information because it can create various different uh, issues with regards to um, institutional knowledge that shouldn't be public and some and sometimes yeah. you don't want to share those things because they, those can present certain uh, certain problems when, when you're when you're displaying those things or when you're reporting those things out to the public so um, what they say is um, that, I don't know that can but then on the other side of I understand but then I'm an advocate for transparency and so so am I yeah. Um, and I think that's, you know, when you, when you start talking about transparency and issues of transparency is like, you're right, we should know. We should know publicly what our policies are internally so people understand how they operate. We should know what our staffing numbers are. We should know right. and understand why those staffing numbers are, are deficient or, or down. We should uh, know uh, why we're transporting inmates to other locations, right? Um, was there something that we needed to address uh, and projections of the size of the uh, of the jail that we recently renovated. Uh, did we fall short there? Why did we fall short? I don't think that's ever been explained to the community, uh, but we do know that coming in with the renovation and being done is that the uh, the sheriff did tell us that we were going to, you know, don't be upset that uh, as soon as we open up the new jail with the new renovations that we're still going to be transporting inmates to other locations because we're going to be full. And so then that in lies, okay, really understanding the, the issues that we're having with the jails is are, are we conducting business that makes sense for Hayes County? Are we doing it in a way that respects our taxpayer dollars through transparency, accountability, or policy-wise, yeah. right? And so there's, there's some things that you that we've seen that have been implemented since our first since my first term in office uh, with the with the current county judge and moving forward is that a lot of my research has been looking at and assessing where our gaps are and how we can do better and how more what what more efficiencies do we need to implement and i think that uh, people have seen some of those new things come in and they're they're starting to affect um some of the 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 the, the population issues that we're having in the jail and that's okay. pretrial services our our, Let's. Uh, I, I want to come back to that, but I need to take a quick station ID yeah. break. You are listening to KZSM.org, KZSM LPFM 104.1, San Marcos, Texas, 78666. And this is a special uh, news segment here for We the People. On the uh, We are here on the 23rd of uh, January on a Tuesday night, and I'm here with Alex Villalobos, who is not only uh, from the uh, county judge's office, chief of staff and coordinator of many, many things, but he is running for uh, the Democratic ticket uh, for county sheriff of Hayes County here on the primary election. So we were talking about those gaps, okay, and I know it's, we've come over, oh, going on 10 to 12 years now, where we had in, we were Many years ago, we were transporting prisoners to other places and paying other people. Then we got everybody back in, and then it got out of control again, and we were transporting everyone back out again. to Not everyone, but we had overflow because we didn't have enough room. So we went and, uh, about five, six years ago, seven years ago, some, uh, somewhere in there. Uh, we went and we approved a bond for new jail facilities. Mm. And uh, we built a whole new facility. And we are still 
transporting them, right? And I know for various reasons, you know, that we've got a backlog in the courts. I know that we've got an increase in population that we probably didn't put into play. Um, And I'm going to ask you about, you know, what our population is increasing. But let's let's go back to that a little bit about those gaps that you were talking about. Mm -hmm. You know, those those, the the gaps that um, we see are how are we conducting business currently when it comes to the judicial system? Now, when you as the sheriff, you're not only here to manage the jail, you're not only here to create public safety in many aspects for the county. Um, but also be a support to law enforcement and all the different municipalities. Um, you're also here to provide uh, uh, public safety to some of the schools. That's how they're contracted out to some of the schools in our county. But we also see that we also have to work with the judicial system, which is outside. You know, we're, we're here to protect and enforce all the laws that have been granted to us through the legislative process, right? Some of them make sense. Some of them unfunded mandates that we have to take on ourselves, which is quite a few as well, um, that indirectly really uh, are at the cost of the taxpayer, even though we're not getting the funds from the state. We still, there's still got to be a way to to get those things done. But what we also um, will see is that, you know, what are we doing for low-level nonviolent crimes? Not that we're allowing people to go, we're still holding them accountable, but we have to have a program in place that allows that to happen so that we are following all the statutes and all the processes and procedures that are required to hold one accountable for violating the law. Um, Are those site and release? Um, Are those diversion programs, which we're starting to build on and and create more diversion programs uh, uh, under the county and, and, and within our processes? Um, I know that uh, under a couple of boards and commissions, we're also looking at the idea of, of creating a diversion center uh, that would have many different aspects of diversion inside there for different types of, of issues. Um, but then we also have pretrial services for community supervision, uh, different ways that we can monitor uh, individuals that have violated the law, but at the same time allow them to still be somewhat productive for their families and support themselves now rather than sitting in a jail. And then uh, increasing our programming for, for mental health. Uh, I, I wanted to touch on that a little bit because sure. I, I know we've gone, there's been a lot of talk, we've been doing a lot of work, but there's still a lot of questions about the services that we have here in the county for mental health and for, uh, I know that we have implemented the uh, Veterans Court, which has been very good. To, you know, you talked about some of those diversionary and, and trying to help. And these are the things that you know you are the front line folks out there outside of the cities and i know i've talked with chief standrich about here in san marcos that you know there we don't have any social uh there everyone just calls 911 and you have to, you as the police force, you as the sheriff's department, you have to deal with the mental health issues. You have to deal with these things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on twofold, number one, do you think that the uh, sheriff's deputies are prepared and are trained to handle that, number one? And number two, 
you know, how do we get more resources to help, you know, since you are also knowing things from the county level, how do we get more resources to help divert, you know, so that our resources are going to what you talked about, the safety, the, you know, what the, the key core reasons that you have a sheriff's department? Well, the, the number one thing we have to do, and, and a lot of these questions have been coming out uh, over the years since I've been in law enforcement and have been in, in public service for, uh, for Hayes County um, with the state as well, um, have always asked, you know, what are we doing for, uh, for encounters with mental health? You know, how are we training our officers and our deputies to encounter such as individuals and what are we doing with them in the field? And how are we addressing them if there has to be a level of incarceration? Or if in this particular moment, does this person need to have mental health resources and not going through the system of incarceration? And to understand what those root issues are and if this is someone that has consistent issues over time, right? And so what we've done since I've been into this office and have been able to utilize the services of the county and, and really equip ourselves with people that are experts is with all these questions prior to Stanbridge, these questions have been asked a lot. <laughs> this is not a new issue yes. with Stanbridge coming in. This is no. something that he's adopted as he's come in. It just happened well. that I had been sure. talking in the last month or so and bringing and that up. But it has been, yeah. no, this has been, we've sure. been talking about this issue for many, many years. Oh, uh, yes, many, many years. Um, and it's something that he's adopted as he's come in as chief. And we sit together in uh, and on what we call the behavioral assessment team for the county, where we're assessing these things. Our initial response to this on committee was we need to identify and learn what resources we do have. And then we also need to identify where the gaps are in mental health resources, not just in one age group, not just in the criminal justice system, but also community-wide. We have to understand where we are with those as well. So what we did initially is not only was I tasked to assess the judicial system, but I was also tasked to help assess the mental health resources across this county. And we conducted a needs assessment. I helped write the scope of the needs assessment with the Meadows, uh, the Meadows Mental Health Foundation. They came in along with collaboration with the university or Texas State University to conduct the needs assessment because we didn't know, we did not have a good inventory of all the resources that were addressing mental health in our county. We didn't have a good inventory at all. We didn't have all the contact numbers. There are providers here doing very good things for people in the community, but we, no one had a central resource to understand exactly where all these resources were at. So that's number one is really identify, number one, where are our resources? Uh, coordinate those with stakeholders, bring them together that way they can meet and understand what they're doing so that they can share some of the load on some of the things that they're doing when it comes to mental health resources. But what we identified is the one, the number one um, gap in resources under the needs assessment has been, you know, the desert of resources that we see from K through 12 for young kids all the way up into the age range of 20 to 25 years old. And so then you start, driving down, okay, where are, where are most of our mental health resources that are being caught and in, 
gauged into the, into the criminal justice system, and you see quite a few of them in those age groups. You also see that as, okay, so we have an uptick on, on uh, uh, for, for various different demographics on drug use, illicit drug use. Uh, here lately it's been a, a lot of discussion about fentanyl. Yeah. Of course, we know fentanyl has been an issue since, you know, 2011. I mean, really the issue came down as a real as a crisis in Ohio is where that really started in the U.S. and started spreading out into other areas, right? So it's where and how we identify these resources, what we're doing. Number one, we have to have a good inventory and resource. We have to understand the landscape about which where those gaps are at. And then we have to coordinate stakeholders together to address those particular issues in a very strategic and direct way. And I think that's why you're seeing a lot of these committees coming up where we have Chief Stanbridge, for instance, uh, where we have some of the elected officials of, as, uh, as part of those BAT teams, uh, uh, where we have uh, mental health professionals and providers as part of that. We have you know, the prosecutor's office as a part of it. We have law enforcement, we have EMS, we have, you know, everybody is front and center uh, going through our, our needs assessment and the, and the executive report of that needs assessment. And we're going piece by piece on how we're going to address that in a very strategic and direct way. Um, how do we advocate for more resources for our mental health authority, which is the Hill Country MHDD, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we don't know how to do that if we don't understand where our gaps are and how we can help support them in their, in their mission of, 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 of addressing mental health needs. Well, you talked about the youth, and I want to swing back because that is something, you know, you as the sheriff, you know, the sheriff's department mm -hmm. is responsible for the county, but you also talked about being for a lot of the schools that you are the security that contracted out mm -hmm. there when you are outside of some of the school districts, some of a lot of the areas. And, you know, dealing with the youth is very different at the county level from when you're dealing with the adults. Sure. And again, what, what do you see? Because we have... It depends on where you're at in the county that you have a lot of new growth, you have a lot of influx of population, you have a lot of people that are not tied into the community. And I know that that, that also creates, you know, if you don't have the community, you don't have the, the people known there that, you know, youth is, is where a lot of the crime is. Well, I, I think uh, in understanding where the gaps are and understanding where our needs are, I know that we have identified many years prior to the current issues is that we need to address um, behavioral change at a very early age. And how do we address behavioral change at an early age is through education and engagement in education, right? Um, and the best way to do that is to identify our stakeholders, which are our school districts, to engage them into the overall thought process from not only from a public safety standpoint, but from a legislative standpoint or a providership standpoint and where those gaps are so we can equip them on how we direct resources, right? And because of the needs assessment and because of the final assessment that's been done in this county, we've identified those particular stakeholders and we're more engaged than we've ever been before in the county on addressing 
what kind of needs do you need in your school and how can we help you fund those things or how can we help advocate for those needs within your school districts, right? Because San Marcos, Hayes Consolidated, Dripping, and Wimberley all have distinctly different needs, mm -hmm. right? So we want to identify those, use them as stakeholders, receive that information, and then it gives us the appropriate way to support those in, in, in particular districts with overall needs. They're all doing something in the mental health field. Um, how can we help further education within those organizations to help drive change in behaviors from an earlier age rather than waiting for them in high school or waiting for them whenever they make contact with you know, the judicial system or the mental health system in, 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 in other ways. So that's what we're doing right now is that we are, we are learning from them. We're, kind of, we're getting a better understanding of the landscape within those organizations. We're receiving that information. And we're also taking advantage of opportunities to fund different types of programming to, to, to help them do better, uh, to create uh, you know, better opportunities for those children uh, and, and, the, and those age groups. But I think the other thing, too, that comes amiss is not only providing those resources, but being a receptive to the data that's coming forward so that we can, we can prevent them from happening before they happen, right? As much as we can. Obviously, we can't be 100% in prevention. Not everybody's gonna follow you know, some of the good practices within themselves. People make decisions for various different reasons, right? And, 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 and some of them are, are, are gonna get caught up in, 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 in situations where maybe they're gonna have a hard time getting out of or uh, they're gonna create some issues for themselves personally. Um, but we need to do a better job at understanding what those numbers tell us, what trends are coming forward within the districts so that we can help support that. And what I say is when we do it from a law enforcement standpoint, I think when you look at it from a global, from a global position, from up, up high, is it allows a, an administrator as a sheriff or their, um, you know, their, their executive staff to understand how they can help those schools with okay, do, do we need more in public safety or do we need more in community engagement programs within those school districts to help address not only the students and the parents, get those families involved in overall prevention, create opportunities for force multipliers with the community instead of standing alone and trying to, to solve those problems on your own because it's gonna take the village to, to solve those things. And I think we, we, once we have that understanding, we can do that a lot better and understand where we need to address and push those resources too, you know? Well, Alex, we're coming down to the end of our time here, but I want to give you a little bit of time. I appreciate, uh, you know, all the discussion we've had, but I want to give you a few minutes to, you know, give folks your pitch and to also talk to them about how they can get involved, how they can find out more about your campaign and all the, all the info that they need. <laughs> you know, it seems like, uh, you know, 30 minutes is a long time, and it's not, especially when he's talking about very serious um, subject matters. You know, overall, the sheriff is here, uh, and the organization and the team that they represent is here to understand not only the law enforcement side, the public safety side, the educational piece, but also to understand how to navigate that throughout all the different levels of government um, to ensure that those initiatives are at their highest probability of success. Uh, we want to be successful in when we're protecting people's um, constitutional rights, their property, um, their safety, uh, in some instances their mental health. 
um, preventing individuals from going into a judicial system or the criminal justice system where we can get them resources to address the root cause and allow individuals to be, you know, uh, successful in their own right, right? Productive, take care of themselves and their families. That's what everybody wants. And I think uh, you, you, you definitely need to have a, a leader um, that understands that global aspect of what we do and why we do things and incorporates all those different levels of understanding into a very pragmatic, a, a very uh, data-driven, data-centered approach to things so that we're respecting the taxpayer dollar, that we're not creating programs that are just wasting. Um, good conversations about um, you know, illicit drug use. Here lately it's fentanyl, but what we continue to push is like, look, we need to stop chasing the poison because the poison changes by the day. We need to start addressing what those root causes are. And a lot of times that's mental health. A lot of times that's education. And we can do that. As a law enforcement agency, that is the way that we create force multipliers with our community. We, are, we need to be transparent. We need to be transparent where our weaknesses are. And we've had that discussion early on. Where do we have a staff? How are we addressing this? And how can we pragmatically address this? How can the community help us create opportunities for those particular issues? I can lead those initiatives and we can do recruiting. One of the things that I've, I've, I've always discussed is that we need to have a very strategic retention and recruitment pro program so we can create those opportunities to retain institutional knowledge and bring in new, new people into our organization. But then at the same time, we also want to uh, continue to create opportunities on how we can best address the needs of this county. Again, to reach out to me, it's, uh, I, have a, I have a website, it's www.alexforsheriff.com, and it's spelled A-L-E-X-F-O-R, uh, sheriff.com. I have all of my information there. I have my contact information there. Um, you can always reach out to me. My number, my, my cell phone number is listed on my website. Please call me with any questions that you may have. Uh, but at the end of the day, what I represent is transparency, accountability, and respecting the taxpayer dollar, along with creating all of those different initiatives for public safety and protecting people's rights and property. Alex Villalobos, thank you for coming into the KZSM studio. This has been a public service of KZSM.org, KZSM LPFM 104.1. And again, the views expressed on the show are those of the host, the guests, and not necessarily those of KZSM or SMTXCRA. And as a FCC licensee, we are uh, on the LPFM, uh, we are required to give equal time to all political candidates. So if you are a candidate, would like to appear, would like to come in, please, we are here for you before this season. And uh, just as a reminder for everyone, Alex, the uh, uh, early voting uh, starts on February 20th. Yes. And then uh, it's on uh, March 5th is the actual uh, primary. primary. Right. And that, you know, this is not the final race. It is whoever wins in your race in the primary right. will then be on the ballot for the November election as exactly. well. So this is just the preliminary race. This but, is the preliminary uh, race. So yes. thank you for coming in and giving us your time today. And uh, well, thank you for the it. opportunity. Thank you very much.